I've asked Rachel to share a testimony as well. It's exciting to, to hear God adding these, uh, these particular testimonies. But um, Rachel shared something on, uh, on Thursday night at a meeting that I was at that really ministered to me. And I'd love for her to share it with you this morning because I feel like it introduces um, something of the, of the point that I want to communicate as we get into the word today. So go for it, Rachel. Hi, church. Um, okay, so I was asked to prepare a short testimony for Thursday for a meeting that we were at. And every time I'm asked to prepare my testimony of how I came to know the Lord, I always feel a little bit like, okay, well, I don't have much to say because I'm the granddaughter of a pastor. I'm the niece of two pastors. I'm the daughter of missionaries. My dad was a worship leader. It kind of feels like church is the family business. So we're always like, Jesus was always just a given for me. Um, I was really raised in the faith. I feel like I got a really strong, firm foundation in who God was and who he is from a very young age. So I think at five is when I accepted the Lord into my heart. Um, so sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm stopping there. I say, okay, well, that's how I came to know God. Not much of a story. But as I grew up and as I grew into my faith, um, there were, some, there were some challenges, some outside challenges that came upon me. Um, there was a lot of negativity kind of coming at me, I felt, from the outside world. There was a lot of bullying um, that was going on at school that really negatively impacted my view of myself. Um, and a very um, painful and destructive relationship with my earthly father, um, which really started to change how I saw God. Um, and as I've been reflecting even more, I think that Satan knew he was never going to take God from me. My relationship with God was going to be solid. I was never going to not know him and not believe in him. But what he could do was he could change our relationship in a way that he twisted it and made it to seem like I had to strive. Um, and so I felt very much like I knew God loved me. God loved the world. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to seek and save the world. And it wasn't anything special about me that he had chosen, I was part of the world, so he kind of had to love me. He, um, he wouldn't choose me specifically, but I'm, he's kind of stuck with me because he loves everybody, and I'm part of that. And, you know, you're not special enough to not be chosen by God, but, you know, he doesn't really have anything specific for you. So as I was growing up, I started to have that picture of him and that image of him, and so I started to say to myself, you know, I love you, God. I want to serve you. I want you to love me as much as I love you. So I'm going to give you all of these things. Like, please love me as much as I love you. And over the last couple of years, he's really been flipping the script on me, really changing that image of myself, really helping me to understand that he specifically called me. He wants me. He wants you. Good. And he came for the world, and you are in that it, you're not lumped in with the rest of us. You're not, he didn't pick you because he had to. He picked you because he wants to. Um, so I just, my heart for anybody who's kind of feeling like God chose me because he had to, or, you know, he doesn't really have anything for me. Um, that's not his heart. His heart is kind and it's good and it wants you specifically. So Good job. Awesome. Thanks, Rach. I love what Rachel shared. Uh, just, you know, yes, John 3.16 tells us that, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And we, we as, as followers of Jesus, know that truth. 
But, uh, but, but as Rachel kind of shared on Thursday, when I, and I heard this for the first time, I was like, wow, that's so insightful. It's not just a case of us being lumped in, but, but God knows each and every one of us, every single person that is walking this planet today. God knows intimately. God knows the, the number of hairs on the back of our head, and he, he knows our passions. He knows our struggles and, and, our, and our victories and our dreams and desires, and, and, and God ch- chooses us. God specifically chooses each and every one of us to, to have relationship with, and, and to that end, he sent his son, Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 says that we are God's workmanship, which is, which is a, 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 we can also say in, in that place, we are, we are God's masterpiece. It's, it's another word for masterpiece. We are, it's, it's where we get the word poem from. It's the Greek word for poem. Uh, anyone who's creative knows that, 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 that what you create, whether it's a, 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 a painting or, or photography or, or music or a poem, it's a reflection of yourself. And we need to know that, that, that because we are God's masterpiece, because we are God's poem, we are called to reflect our creator. We are called to reflect his goodness and reflect his grace uniquely and specifically. And so that's something of what I want to teach on today as we get into Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5, is, is the fact that God has chosen each and every single one of us to very uniquely and very specifically uh, display his glory and display his splendor to the world. And uh, today I want to just say that I'm probably going to be asking you a bunch more questions than necessarily answering questions. And I am going to be giving you homework to go home with and to, and to think about and to ponder and to consider as we, as we approach this year. We are, we are, this is part three of a, of a four-part series uh, around the subject of faith. Faith, the firm foundation, it's, it's kind of how we are framing the year ahead. As an eldership team, we, we feel like God is, is speaking this, this issue, this subject, this topic of faith into our hearts. And, and we feel like it, it is something that God is particularly highlighting, that we're stepping into a, a season of, 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 of enlarged faith, of robust, robust faith, of, of, of faith that is hopefully increasing in our hearts. Not because we need to have faith in a small God, because God is great. The, 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 the truth, one of the things I shared last week is we can have little faith because we serve a great God. But we do need to trust God. And that's what Hebrews 11 chapter 1 says. Now faith is, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. We defined faith a couple of weeks ago as, as faith is believing God. It's simply that. Faith is believing God. Faith is trusting in God. Faith is, is taking God at his word. It's, 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 it's what we do Faith is what we do in response to the promise of God. God speaks things, God declares things, God announces things, God makes things known to us, and our response to God speaking, our response to God's promise is to have faith, is to trust him, is to believe him, it's to to hold him to his word. And we learned in week one that that while we uh, uh, respond to God in faith, there is is unfortunately, and I say unfortunately because this is what trips a lot of us up, while we are trusting God, there is a waiting period for that promise to come to pass. How many of you know that? There is, there is patience that is necessary. There is waiting for the promise of God to be outworked. And, and we looked at three important things. While we wait, we worship. While we wait, we worship. Worship allows us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the, and the perfecter of our faith. While we wait, we, we remain in God's word. While we wait, we, we remind ourselves of the things God has said. We remind ourselves of, of who God is. Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. And then while we wait, we must also walk with the Holy Spirit. 
We can't just, we can't just worship God and, and, and be in his word, but then do nothing about it. Because what, what God wants us to do is to walk with him in obedience to the things he's saying. Obedience isn't just our kind of dogged determination. Obedience is a, is a response to a relationship of love and trust. As, as we worship Jesus and as we incline our ear to hear Jesus, we get to know him. And when we get to know him, we, we love him. And because we love him, we can trust him. And that enables us to respond in obedience. So don't, don't ever think that obedience is kind of clenching your jaw and saying, I've got to get through this. No. Obedience is this, is this response, this natural response, the supernatural response to, to a relationship, a, a walking with God. By faith, we walk. And then Hebrews chapter 11 continues in verse 2. It says, this, this faith, this believing God is what the ancients were commended for. What they were, this is how God, this is the back of, of how God accepted them. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. So what the writer to the Hebrews is telling us in, the, in these verses is, is our, our, our spiritual ancestors, our, our, our spiritual forefathers, led by the example of Abel, were looking forward to the cross of Jesus Christ, which was going to be the fulfillment of God's promise to provide an offering that every single one of us could hide behind and know that we are completely accepted in, in, in him. And that's the offering that Abel brought. Abel brought this offering that pointed forward to the cross. Our spiritual ancestors in the Old Testament, those who are recorded in the Old Testament, were looking forward to the cross by faith. They looked forward. We look back on the cross with faith. We look back on on what God has done in and through Jesus Christ. We, we, we settle the fact, we, we reckon is a good, Old Test, is a good uh, King James uh, word. We reckon ourselves to be righteous. We reckon ourselves to be baptized, to be placed. Baptized means to be placed into Jesus. We are hidden in him. We, we find our security in him. We run to him. We are clothed by him. We have died, but we have been raised to life in Christ. And therefore... We are forever accepted by the Father. And so what we learned last week in week two is that we need to settle that God's acceptance and God's approval of us is, is, has, been, has, been, has been dealt with. It's been settled in Jesus. If ever we find ourselves thinking, have I done enough for God to approve me? If ever we find ourselves saying, have, have, what I just did, is that going to exclude me from the presence of God? I want to say we've lost sight of Jesus. We are not welcomed into the presence of the Father by anything good or anything bad we do. It's purely, simply, always on the back of what Jesus has done. By faith we, we wait, was week one. By faith we are accepted or approved last week, this week. By faith we walk. By faith we walk. Look at verse five. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life, which meant he skipped death. He literally was vacuumed up into heaven, hoovered up, just, there came a time when God said, I want him. I want him with me by my side. 
and he got sucked up into heaven. That's how I want to go. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found. I love that. He could not be found. I mean, I just, my mind races. I mean, I've got a, quite a creative imagination, and my mind races when he could not be found. I mean, but let's not go there. Time is short. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. What did, what did Enoch do? So this, this is a, a very kind of mysterious character because not much is, is written in Hebrews. And as we're going to see, not much is written in Genesis to describe what, what Enoch did. But we've got to ask the question, what did Enoch do to, by faith that God commended him as one who pleased him to the point where he said, I want him. I, I want him close to me. I want him by my side. And for that reason, he's going to skip death. So Genesis, uh, um, most people suggest that the writer of Hebrews, when he was writing Hebrews 11, was actually doing his devotions through Genesis. Because you'll see the, the primary kind of people that he's writing about are these, are these people in Genesis who are walking by faith. And so we, we've looked at Abel, and next week we're going to look at Noah but right now, we're looking at this person called Enoch. And, and the early chapters of, of Genesis tell us there are actually two men named Enoch. There was one man who was the son of Cain. Remember Cain? We, we, we touched on him last week. The son of Cain was, I think he was quite a celebrity in his day. Because it tells us in Genesis chapter 3, I think it is, that a city was named after Enoch. This is not that Enoch that the Bible is writing about. This is the Enoch who wasn't necessarily a celebrity in his day, but he's forever remembered in the kingdom of God as one who walked faithfully with God. So let's uh, read. Don't turn there, but it'll be up on the screen behind you. Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he had become the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully, faithfully with God 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Although Enoch lived 365 years, Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. So just before we kind of get into the meat, just to say the, the 365 years and the 65 years, don't get thrown by those numbers because the reality is probably those years, most likely, those years are not the calendar years we know of today. So, so just kind of those of you who are like, whoa, 365 years, that seems like a long time. It's, I'll just say that, we're not going to get into that right now. But look at that. I mean, you know, Enoch, this, this, this Enoch that we are read, reading about is, is not someone who was looking for the fame of the world. He was not someone who was celebrated necessarily by his peers. He didn't have a city named after him. But here we are reading about him hundreds and thousands of years later. We're reading about him because he's recorded in history as a man who walked faithfully, not perfectly, it doesn't say Enoch walked perfectly with God. It says Enoch walked faithfully with God. And I want to kind of answer the question, how do we, how do we understand that? Now, to, to understand this, we, we have to go back to our definition of faith. I, I said earlier, faith is what we do in response to the word of God. If there is one thing you take home from this series, let it be that. Faith is our response to the word of God. So God speaks and we respond by faith. We trust God. We, we, we believe God. We take God at his word. 
Genesis chapter 3 tells the, the, the story, the tragic story of how Adam and Eve were, were in close relationship with God. And, and through, through self-reliance and independence, rather than trusting God, there was a, there was a, a break. There was, a, there was a, 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 a division in the relationship. Sin entered the world. And while Adam and Eve were, were hiding themselves behind the trees, hiding themselves from God and hiding themselves from one another using fig leaves, we spoke about that last week, God in Genesis 3 speaks this incredible promise over Adam and Eve. And he says to them, he says, don't try and cover your own shame and guilt because that will never work. Let me cover you. I will cover you completely. And it points beautifully to, to Isaiah uh, uh, chapter 61 about the fact that we are covered with, with robes of righteousness and garments of salvation. And God continues to promise Adam and Eve this. He says, one day I'm going to send an offering. And we've mentioned that that offering is Jesus. One day I'm going to send this offering, this, 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 this descendant from Eve, who's going to die a bloody death, but will be raised again victorious. And that offering will once and for all ensure your acceptance into my presence. Now, Adam and Eve passed the story on to their sons, Cain and Abel. Adam and Eve brought the word of the Lord to their sons. And last week we learned that Cain and Abel responded differently to the word of God. Cain remained, re remained determined to trust in his own works. But Abel said, you know what? I'm gonna trust God. I've heard the word of the Lord And I'm by faith, I'm going to believe God. By faith, I'm going to put my hope in the fact that God is faithful to do what he promised. Now what Genesis, I say all that to say this, what Genesis 5 tells us, if you read Genesis 5, it's the genealogy of, of, of Adam's descendants. It actually tells us that, that Adam was still alive when Enoch was growing up. This character, this person that we are looking at today. Adam was still alive when Enoch was growing up. So, so just use your imagination for a moment. This is what I picture. I picture Adam at, at times uh, uh, throughout Enoch's life, gathering together the family, his grandsons and granddaughters and great-grandsons and great-granddaughters. And, they, and they're gathering around and, and, and there are probably happened multiple times, but, but Adam begins to, begins to tell them this incredible story, this incredible account of, of, of his encounters with God. He begins to tell them about the beautiful garden that God had created. He begins to tell them about the, the privilege and the fun that he had to, as he was naming the different animals. And, and maybe he named a hippopotamus an elephant, and then he kind of changed his mind. And he was telling them the things that, that, that he was doing as God was instructing him. Maybe Adam was spending some time telling his, 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 his descendants of his longing for a wife and how God beautifully created Eve out of his side. And how, how Adam and Eve used to walk together with God in the cool of the day. And maybe Adam shared something of the tragedy of the fall, but yet the mercy and the grace and the goodness of God to, to promise to rescue them and to bring them back to himself. And every time he tells the story, What I see in my mind, every time, as I read this, every time Adam is telling them the story, there is something that is grabbing Enoch's heart that says, oh my goodness, this is incredible. And it's the part where Adam says, I used to walk with God. God would come down and walk with me in the cool of the day. 
creator of the heavens and the earth, uh, the, the one that Aaron uh, you know, read about from Isaiah 41, the, the one who holds the nations in the palm of his hand, the one who, who holds the universe together by the power of his word, would come down and he would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. And what I imagine is Enoch hearing this word and saying, and his heart coming alive. The word of God gripped Enoch's heart. The word of God grabbed hold of Enoch's heart. And I can imagine Enoch saying, God, I see that you want to be intimate with us. I see that you want to come down and walk with us. Don't think, when you, when you think of God walking with us in the cool of the day, don't think soppy sentimentality. Those silly little notes that we, you know, we sometimes joke about. You know, I love movies and kind of walks along the beach and what have you. No, don't think soppy sentimentality. Think intentional intimacy initiated by the God most high. And Enoch hears the word and he says, I want that. I want to trust you, God, for that. And by faith, Enoch became a man who walked with God for 300 years. Friends, this is the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is not just that in Jesus we get to walk with God. And here we come back to Rachel's testimony. It's not just that God has done something so generally we can walk with him. As great as that is, the good news of the gospel is that the Lord Most High in Jesus by the Holy Spirit comes down and desires to walk with each of us. That's the gospel. We display the goodness of God most greatly when we walk most intimately with Him. We display the goodness and the greatness and the majesty of God most magnificently and greatly when you and I walk intimately and closely with God. And it's possible through His Son, Jesus. If you're here today and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ and you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, I want you to remember Rachel's testimony. Yes, we celebrate the truth. Yes, the truth that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But remember Rachel's testimony. God doesn't love you generally. God loves you specifically. God wants to walk with you. God wants to have a relationship with you. God doesn't want you to come to him. God wants to come down to you. You just need to receive And say, yes, Lord, come into my heart. I want to walk with you. Before we carry on, if that's you today, if you're here, maybe you're visiting, maybe you've been coming a few times, and you say, Steve, I I wanna walk with God. I wanna walk with him. I wanna know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. If that's you today, right now, I would love to pray with you where you're seated. Could you just lift your hand real quick so that I know that you are out there? I would love to pray with you right now. And lead you into this relationship with the Lord Most High. Would anyone like to respond to that invitation this morning? All right. If you are a follower of Jesus, which the rest of you are, there are times you know as you walk with God. There are times that you, you, you know the, the, the joy and the beauty and the, and the majesty and the, and, and, and the exhilaration of walking with God. You know at times that it, it, is, it is both exhilarating and absolutely overwhelming all at the same time. Can you testify to that? 
Do you know at times, you know at times that at times it's, it's mysterious and uncertain, but you know and you're sure of the promise and goodness of God. As you consider God's word, as you, as you listen, as your ears are, are, are kind of tuned to the word of the Lord, I want to say, I want to ask you, what has God grabbed hold of your heart for? What has God grabbed your heart for? Just like with Enoch, when he heard the word of the Lord, the promise that God wanted to walk, walk intimately with them, what has God grabbed your heart for in this year? Paul puts it like this, and for those who are part of our, of, of our connect group, forgive me, but I taught this a couple of weeks ago, but, but I just felt it was relevant for today. Paul, Paul writes in, 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 um, in Philippians 2, he says, he says, work out your salvation because it is God who works in you to will and to work. Do you, you see the, 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 the relationship? We work out what God has worked in. We work out what God has worked in. He says something very similar in, in the next chapter. He says, he says, I press on, Paul writes, I press on to, to take hold of that for which God has taken hold of me for. And so the question we have to ask is, is what has God taken hold of you for? I want you to consider that this week. What has God taken hold of you for that by faith you need to take hold of? What has God worked in your heart that by faith you need to work out? What poem has God written on your heart that the rest of the world needs to read? And here, where do you want to be remembered? Here on earth or in the kingdom of God? Those are the questions I'm, I'm, I'm imploring us as a church to be, to be asking and answering this week. Not little, and I encourage you, don't, don't write little one-word answers, but, but take some time to, to consider these things. What has God taken hold of your heart for? As you walk with him, how specifically has he called you to display his glory to the world around you? In the last five minutes or so, what I want to do is I want to look at a few, get very practical for a moment. And I want to look at some, some really simple things, some things that prophetically I feel God has called church in the city to this year. Some ways that we are called to walk with God. So again, if this is, if this is your home church, if this isn't your home church, I, I, I think this, I trust this will still be helpful for you. But if this is your home church, I, I, I want you to consider these things. I even jot them down or, or perhaps go online on Tuesday when, the, when these notes are posted. And, and, and I want you to, to, to consider with me, with us, these things that God has called, called us to. As attractive as it is for church in the city to be known in the city, I want to say, personally, I'm more, I'm more desirous that church in the city be known in the, in, the, in, the, in the halls of heaven as a community that knows how to walk faithfully with their Father. And so these are some of the things that I'm feeling God is putting on our hearts together, for us together. There is a, there is a, a family invitation for you to consider this in the context of the family, but there's a personal application too. Number one. That this be the year that we walk worthy of the call of God. 
Let this be the year that we walk worthy of the call of God. What I'm, what I'm saying is this be the year that we, we discover and settle and I, I, I discover, identify and settle the plan and purpose of God for our church and for, and for your lives. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter four, verse one, I urge you to walk worthy, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you have received. You see, there, there are two things that are at play in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. There is, there is something that we are by virtue of the call of God and something that we do in response to that. We walk worthy of the call. And if you take Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 in isolation, which, which I'm doing now, and it's dangerous to do that because we can think, okay, I need to walk worthy of God's call for my life, which is you know, to be a mom or to be an artist or to be a business person. How do I walk worthy of that call? And I want to say, although that is somewhat true, it's not the point Paul is making. Paul has spent chapter after chapter after chapter before he gets to this verse describing that you and I are citizens of God's kingdom called to, to, to show the world what it looks like when Jesus is king. You and I are members of God's family to show the world what it looks like for people of different giftings and passions and backgrounds to be unified together as a family. Even more than that, you and I are living stones being joined together to create a temple by which God dwells through his spirit. That's the calling that we are called to walk, walk worthy of. So when Paul writes in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, be humble and be gentle and make sure that you get on with one another, it's not so that we can be nice people. It's because the glory of God is at stake, friends. The glory of God is at stake when, when you and I fight, or if we do, or when we do. It's the glory of God is at stake when Christians don't know how to be unified together under Jesus. It's not just a good idea. So let this be the year that we settle this kingdom call to show the world what it looks like when Jesus is king. That we don't serve a president primarily. We serve the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Although the scripture is clear, while ever they are obeying the word of God, we follow their lead. This is a time to show the world what it looks like when Jesus is king. Let's show the world what we stand for. The kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, joy, power in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is about. Secondly, that we walk in the ways of God. Let this be the year that we discover God's wisdom. Let this be the year that we discover God's, God's insights and God's wisdom, that we walk in his ways. Psalms 86 says, teach me your ways, O Lord that I will walk in your truth. Teach me your ways. Let this be the year, friends, that we are committed to the word of God. I love the fact that we are a prophetic people. I love the fact that we honor and, and give room for the prophetic. And I'm feeling even this year for us to do even more of that. But I wanna say, friends, if we wanna grow as a prophetic people, we have to grow in our knowledge of the word. Because this is what ensures that the prophetic doesn't become weird and wacky. This ensures that the prophetic is rooted in the powerful, authoritative, inerrant word of God. And this enables us, as our submission to this is what qualifies us to be used in the prophetic, to speak life and liberty and freedom to God's people. 
Let this be the year that we trust God to to speak into our hearts through his words. Number three, we nearly finished. Let this be the year that we walk through adversity. Through adversity. Friends, we need to settle the fact that sometimes we don't walk around adversity. We need to be honest and real that sometimes we have to find our way through adversity. But God doesn't want us to dwell in that place. He wants to bring us through into victory. Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. You are with me. That's what gets us through. And I want this, I want this church to be a, a, a community, a family that is real about our struggles. But we know that God wants to bring us into victory because of his presence is always with us. Number four, this, let this be the year that we walk in the newness of life, that we experience the fullness of God's freedom. I love uh, Psalms, uh, uh, Romans chapter six. It says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the, by the glory of the Father, we too, listen to this, we too might walk in newness of life. I wanna say today is the day we turn our back on yesterday. Today is the day we turn our back on yesterday. There are things we've all done and things we've all walked through and hurts that we all carry from yesterday. And friends, I wanna say there is no life in our past. God wants us to walk in newness of life. We have been raised from the dead by the power of Jesus Christ in us. Let's keep our eyes fixed on where God is taking us. Our heads like flint. It means that we, we press through those difficult times because God is with us. Friends, don't be dragged back by mistakes of yesterday. Don't be defined by what happened yesterday. Turn your back on that and press into the newness of life. Nearly finished. We walk, let this be the year that we walk the land. Let this be the year that we walk the land. God says to Abraham in Genesis 13, arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land for I will give it to you. Let this be the year that we trust for salvations. Let this be the year that we trust for multiple salvations, people being added into the kingdom of God. Let this be the year that you and I realize that everywhere our feet shall tread, we are, we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God that we, 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 we said this morning. I've forgotten the specific words, but I am Steve, son of the Lord Most High, part of an unshakable kingdom or something to that effect. But when you go to the office today, sorry, not today, don't go to the office today, rest today. When you go to the office tomorrow, tell yourself, remind yourself, pray into the fact that you are a son of the Lord Most High coming to bring the unshakable kingdom to your place of work, into your neighborhood, into your community, into your school. And then lastly, let this be the year that we see the lame rise and walk. Let this be the year that we see powerful displays of God's manifest goodness and glory. Let this be the year that we see God's power on display, not just in us, but in us and through us. Jesus says to 
to the disciples of John the Baptist in Matthew 11, go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight. Let this be the year the blind receive sight. Let this be the year that the lame walk. Let this be the year that those who have leprosy are cured, that the deaf hear, that the dead are raised, and that the good news is preached to the poor. By faith, friends, there are times we have to wait. By faith, settle the fact that you are accepted. By faith, this is a year to walk with God. This is a year to walk with him into the fullness of what he's called us to. I'm gonna invite you to, for a moment just to close your eyes. I know I've gone five minutes longer than I should have, but I don't wanna rush or miss out on an opportunity for us to respond to the word of the Lord this morning. As you close your eyes, I want you to consider and ponder and think through, and I'm gonna just make a couple of quick comments to remind you of some of the things that we've discussed this morning. I've said to you that I feel like these, these applications are very much a corporate word for our church, but I believe there are some of you here who are trusting personally for breakthrough in some of these areas. I'm gonna ask, as I'm, just keep your eyes closed and keep your, your hearts just inclined to the Lord. But I'm gonna go through this list once again very quickly. And I'm gonna ask you to respond physically. Sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes it's appropriate. If we are trusting God for breakthrough in a certain area, sometimes it's appropriate for us to physically respond to what God is asking us to do, to trust for breakthrough. And so if you are trusting for, 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 for God to work in some of these areas, as I mention them, I'm gonna invite you to stand up. Not as a sign to me, but as a sign to God. God, I've heard your word. Your word has gripped my heart in this area. I wanna trust you. If you're here today and you are believing and trusting for God's purpose and understanding of God's purpose for your life, maybe you're wrestling through a sense of identity or a sense of worth or a sense of dignity. Maybe you're looking for things that define your purpose, but you're saying this year, God, I wanna know my purpose in you. If that's you, I want you to stand. Maybe this is the year that you are saying, God, I need wisdom. I need, I need wisdom. I'm, I'm faced with this difficult challenge. I'm faced with this obstacle and I need to know what to do. If that's you, I want you to stand today and say, God, by faith, I'm trusting for wisdom. If you are in the midst of a, tr- a troubling, difficult, hard season, if you are walking at the moment through the valley of death and you are saying, God, I need your comfort. I need your strength. I need your presence to, to envelop me. If you are trusting God for, com- for his comfort and his nearness, I want you to stand this morning. If you are saying today, God, I believe you for freedom and for victory from things that have held me back. Maybe cycles of sin, maybe areas of struggle or hardship, maybe, maybe the past. You know those are like heavy weights that are holding you down. Today you say, Lord, I, I want to trust you for freedom. I want to be free indeed. I want you to stand today. If you are trusting for people to be saved in your life, friends or family members or work colleagues, you're saying, God, let this be the year of salvation. A neighbor, let this be the year that they come to know you as Lord and Savior. I invite you to stand. And lastly, if you are trusting 
for the power of God to move through your life, for you to, to see signs, wonders, and miracles more so than you've ever seen before. You've, you celebrate what God has done, but you're saying, Lord, there is more. I want you to stand. And I know some of you are standing for multiple things. And so, Lord, we just, we come to you this morning. We open our hearts and we say, God, would you move in power in our lives? Would you bring comfort? Would you bring healing? Would you bring wholeness? Would you bring a sense of identity and worth? Lord, would you speak wisdom over your people? Heavenly Father, would you, would you cause us, would you allow us to see others come to know you as Lord and Savior? Lord, the promises that you have spoken over these precious people. Your word that has been declared over these precious people, Father, let this be the year of fruitfulness, I pray. Let this be the year, Lord God, where we see the fullness of your plans being outworked. Let this be the year, Heavenly Father, where we see you move in great power. Lord, here we are, all of us, those who are standing, those who are seated, all of us, Lord, we say, here we are, Lord. Here we are, Lord, use us, use us, Lord. Use us this year not to make the name of church in the city great. Use us this year, Lord God, to make the name of Jesus great in our city and in our nation. Jesus, we want you to be exalted. We want you to be honored. We want you to be glorified in us and through us. Heavenly Father, oh, Heavenly Father, come and do it. Lord, we are desperate for you. Desperate for you. Desperate for you, Lord God. Holy Spirit. Fill us, touch us, empower us.